Hey, everybody. This is Crypto Reporter. Thank you for tuning in to ENS Central Builders Spotlight. Today, we have January Walker. January is actually the first politician on the show, and we're really looking forward to getting a different perspective on things such as Web3. And I know that January definitely has some great insight into that. So with that being said, January, how are you today? I'm, I'm doing really great. Thank you so much for, for having me and including me on your show. No, thank you for being a part. To be honest, you were actually one of my very first interviews and your thoughts on self-sovereign identity, you know, blockchain voting. I think that these are very important topics, especially coming into the next couple of years. So can you tell us just a little bit about your background, you know, how you got into this space, what led you down this path? Yes. I entered into the identity space back in 2014. We were working on this project where we had to allow um, providers to be able to write their prescriptions remotely and have those sent to the pharmacy. And so I, I worked on that project. And then over the years, you know, moved a little bit more into KYC, AML, being able to prove that an individual was a real person and that we were interacting with them and that, you know, of course, they own that identity and everything that comes with it. And while I was on that path, I came across like, to me, they're really concerning practices and in terms of how people track your information and how these companies use that information. And so it, it kind of set me out in search of new identity solutions that could perhaps pave the way forward for us. So how did that go from doing what you're doing with, you know, KYC to going into politics? Yeah, I, so I think that those are um, two separate paths. So on the political path, that was, I want to say also about the same time. So back in 2014, where I realized that I wanted a different type of politician, somebody that was accessible, somebody that talked with the people, uh, somebody that received input, like solicited input from the people that they represented and then took that input back into Washington and made sure that it was tied into the legislation that they had. But really the core of the issue was listening and just making sure that you are truly a representative of, of the people. And, you know, over the years, I just wasn't seeing that in, in the people that came to the ballot. Everybody had their own ideas about how everything should be, but none of them focused on the people. And so with that, um, I kind of had this realization, and I want to say it was 2018, 2019, where I recognized that if I wanted that kind of leadership, that I couldn't just expect other people to do it if I wasn't willing to do it myself. And that was kind of a frightening thought because going into politics is very scary. Everybody judges you over everything and you get raked over the coals and you have to really know who you are. And so after that, it was just coming to that moment and accepting that I want this type of leadership. So I have to be the, the person that paves the path forward. And that's how we got here. That's awesome. And I know you mentioned that it's obviously a scary thing to do that and step into anything, but even more so in the public spotlight with something like this. Did you have any sort of mentors or any, anyone guiding you through this or anybody that you knew who had a similar experience? Uh, I pretty much entered the world of politics without any experience, without knowing who to talk to, who to contact. Uh, fortunately, I had a few friends along the way that were active locally in politics and would put me in touch with different politicians. And they all had 
like they just weren't fully aligned to what I was trying to accomplish. And then um, I have a friend who's a political operative, um, but really that just means his family uh, get hired out by a lot of politicians because they have a lot of the data and information. And so he he gave me some good pro tips around, hey, this you need to order signs. Go make sure you put up signs. And um, oh, what's some other good stuff? I when when I didn't have anybody else for the parades to like drive my car, he would come out and he would drive the car. But very very dedicated individual, and. Everything that you've seen, everything that we've accumulated, the social media, everybody that has reached out has really just been those that heard the message and believed in it. So we're 100% organic campaign, which I don't know other people that have that. I, I mean, t- tell me, do you know of other politicians that are 100% organic? No, and it's extremely impressive. I didn't know that you were really just doing this, you know, all on your own at the beginning. You didn't have anybody guiding you. So that that makes that way more impressive as well. It, it was a good time. It was a good time. There were there were some hard parts in there and uh, some other things that were like, oh, we got this, you know, good days and bad days. Yeah, I'm sure. And just the fact that you were able to get it, it was what, about 10,000 votes, right? Uh, it was 16,740 votes is what we walked away from or walked oh, wow. away. Wow, yeah, well over 10,000. That's awesome. Um, I, I checked out your, I think it was Ballotpedia a bit, just kind of on the different policies that you were focused on and passionate about. And one of the things that I saw that really stuck out to me was the tech aspect of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just going to read a line from it just so that the listeners have it. But on it, you stated that tech such as blockchain technology could provide a path to eliminating wasteful government spending, accelerate benefits to veterans, return personal privacy to citizens, and bring trust to elections. I mean, that right there just says everything that Web3 can be about, you know, all in just one line, which is really powerful. I mean, would you mind explaining a little bit more on that and just furthering that concept? Yeah, I would I would love to. So um one one thing that I want to expand on before I get into this, because I think it's a, a crucial gap closer for people that are listening, but it's how I came into blockchain technology. So I, I mentioned to you some of the concerning practices that I was seeing within tracking people. How So behavioral biometrics specifically is what set me off. And essentially everything that you do with technology. So this could be like right now we have cameras and recordings, like where do, where do those recordings go? What is that information? The way that you type on your computer, you have a specific pattern that you type. And so when you're on all of these websites, whether it's Twitter or Google or maybe your bank, right? The financial industry uses a lot of behavioral biometrics. It actually can tell like, oh, is this the crypto reporter or is it not? Is it somebody else? And then, you know, it's, it's neat to to have them be like oh this is definitely not the crypto reporter so don't let them in right even though all the information is correct but at the same time shouldn't you be the one that owns your behavioral biometrics like your entire digital essence and everything that you are and there's over 2000 data points that get collected on you on a on a daily basis like on a on, within within every single interaction and this could be you know as simple as to the way that you walk and talk and, you know, all the way through that example that I gave previously. So when we talk about technology like blockchain and how I came to 
interact with it, it was really through this decentralized identity concept and learning about self-sovereign identity wallets where you can hold all of your information in there. And what's cool when we start to look at uh, like the benefits to our veterans and returning um, courtesy to citizens. But I mean, just if we look at the veterans piece, one of the biggest problems that they have is they have to go through this entire process of proving that they're a real person. Same with our um, our immigration system, proving, you know, are you who you say you are? Are you a real person? What are your credentials? What do you have for us? Uh, same thing with Medicare, Medicaid. And it's it's a very convoluted, time-consuming, tax-consuming process. And with this technology, with essentially a click of a button, you can be like, oh, this is a real individual and you can keep everything in there and you own it. It's not anybody else owns the information on you. You own this information so you can have your college degrees in there or high school diploma. Um, I believe they're testing out that program in California right now. You can have uh, like any type of certifications. You could keep your medical records in there. So instead of the hospitals owning your information, you would always be able to access your information and keep that with you, not have to send in like a fax requesting that they give you your medical record. Like to me, that's kind of silly at this point in time. But even more, when you start looking at um, like personal privacy, we had TikTok come up recently where, you know, the government's like, oh, we're going to ban TikTok because the Chinese can get your data and collect it through there. I mean, first of all, I'm I'm pretty skeptical of that at this point, especially since all those servers are, you know, on American soil and it's American, you know, the American sector of TikTok. But past that, if the Chinese want data on Americans, they don't freaking need TikTok. They can just go to a data broker that's been collecting all this information that I was just telling you about and then go get that information. Like they happily sell it to them and the government hasn't put any handcuffs or preventative measures on them whatsoever. And my favorite one is like, I'm a huge proponent of eliminating national debt when I think debt is burdensome and it really doesn't allow us to grow in the way that we need to. And it also prevents other countries from wanting to, to have the, the U.S. dollar a little bit there, right? They're starting to look for alternatives and with this, you could put government spending, tie it to, you know, a blockchain transaction, like every single transaction uh, that's made would essentially just be tracked. And then you could see where all the money is going. And this would help out in instances where, so with the Pentagon, right, that wouldn't be a public blockchain, but you would be able to account for every penny and see where it went. Instead of just being like, oh, we don't understand where this, what was it, $600 billion is going. And that's not including the $662 billion of wasted spending back in 21. So I, I don't know. I, I look at it and I just think there's so much ability here if we could just stop demonizing the technology. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the TikTok there. That was going to be one of the things I brought up, just scrolling through your Twitter and seeing your recent talks about that. But I, I definitely agree with just the potential to actually know where the money is going and make sure that things are actually done the right way. Like, I think that's such a big problem with spending in America and just it, nobody really does anything about it. Like, it's so much talk, but nothing's actually done. It, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I truly don't think that they knew what could be done, that or they didn't care. But the thing is, is it's our 
time to shine, right? You have these new generations coming up that definitely know and understand technology and they're going to change a few things. And I definitely see this being one of them. For sure. And do you think that this is something that really needs to start at like the government level or is it more of a corporate focus? And as that happens, then it'll kind of bleed into the government. That is a super fascinating question. Uh, we already have huge companies using Web3 blockchain technology. Um, so I know that Walmart it has started to use it within their um, supply chain. So a lot of people are using it for supply chain because it's such an excellent um, information tracking system that you've had. And so you have Walmart that's using it to make sure, like, where did the food come from? What temperatures was it kept at? Uh, and then you also have it within like IBM. So they obviously use it. You have some groups using it for water tracking, um, which I, on that topic, that was one of my uh, tweets that people hammered me on just a little bit, you know, saying, hey, uh, you know, blockchain will solve the water crisis. And really, I was trying to get people to pay attention and like listen and understand. But it was a good lesson for me and how Twitter functions where you can say, something and they won't read the rest of it and they just latch on to one message. But but there are groups that are already using this technology to to be able to track and trace whatever whatever that it needs to be on the corporate side. And so even even within our government they're using it a little bit, but I would certainly like to see the acceleration of the adoption of these technologies and and uh you know not demonizing it like they have so they're essentially trying to demonize the whole sector after FTX, when what FTX did was honestly like just bad business practice, right? Like any company that would have done that, the result would have been the same. It didn't have to be specifically tied to crypto. Yeah, that kind of leads me into another thing that I, I wanted to get your opinion on. Like, obviously, there's a lot of people involved in the in the government, but what percentage or how many of the lawmakers would you say actually understand this technology and actually are able to do something with it. You have a handful of legislatures that understand the technology. So uh, one of them is Tom Emmer, uh, Richie Torres, um, Andrew Ger Gerbar Gerberino. Sorry, uh, Cynthia Loomis. I believe she understands it. She's of course like a partisan towards some of these other pieces of technology. But I, I mean, like when you look at Dan Cred Crenshaw or Darren Soto, um, Elaine Lorelei, I'm saying her name wrong, but these these are the people that, that probably are the ones that, that understand the most. And that's not a ton, right? We, we need to have more people in there. And this, I think, was one of the saddest outcomes of the 2020 election is that there's so much caution or people saying, hey, this is a scam or distrust. That's the word I'm looking for. There's so much distrust within the sector that what you need most now, what, what the Web3 community needs most is to stand behind politicians that support them and to fundraise and to say and to put their voice in government. Right. Because we, we can't escape government no matter where we go in the world. There's always going to be some kind of leader there. But because we distrusted it so much, we didn't stand behind really any of the politicians that were 
pro towards the community. And because of that, we we came out with with a failure where come January, there won't be anybody to stand against the the FUD that's being created, that that fear, uncertainty, and doubt. But I think it, you know, maybe this next go around, people will say, okay, no, we really need to step up. We really need to do better and accept that there's, and this is hard for me, but accept that, you know, to spread your message, you have to be able to buy billboards and signs and marketing materials. And, uh, you know, just just be like, okay, let's fundraise for these items and be able to see that that's where the money goes. I mean, because we have that technology. Oh, yeah. And one thing I did want to add is the fact that you know, we have this technology to be able to use for these different types of reasons. Uh, one of my favorite projects was something actually created by Sadaf.east. And it was trying to help out when it came to like natural disasters. So I think I actually reached out to you at one point as well, as far as to be able to help out with the campaigns and, and things like that. But what you're starting to realize is that, okay, now we have the ability to self, self fund, right? So in fact, with uh, the Ukraine situation, they were able to, you know, send, send different types of tokens or NFTs to Ukraine.eth. And I think that was one of the great, great things that the technology is able to do for us. We're able to, you know, send funds, be able to grow and to be able to invest within the community by something just as simple as an ENS name. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is like, if somebody sends that, how do we process through that through like FEC donations and things like that? Like, how do, how do we report that information? So I think as long as we're reporting it appropriately, and by reporting it appropriately, what I mean is collecting the name, you know, the address, all the information that's required by the FEC. And as long as we're gathering that information, we should be able to to utilize that. But um, there, there's also like donation aspects of, of using that information and then also turning it into a, some kind of like tangible asset that people can can use in real life. So there, there's multiple multiple options. Yes, you're exactly correct. I think it's somewhat tricky too, because it's like web three is a balance of privacy, but also identity at the same time. So it's like you have the ability to be private and, you know, send funds by just creating a new wallet. Obviously there's for the most part ways to track back where those funds are coming from, but it's like, do we want people to know who's doing what do we want to hide from people? Like, what is that middle ground? And I think that's kind of another tricky part of this space right now. Exactly. And it's, it's hard to, to balance that, right? Like, how do you, because so much of our arena, right? People want that respect of, of personal privacy. And so I think that's reasonable, but I, I also think that it shows a lot of good faith and brings a lot of trust to the arena when we're willing to say, as we should, right? Because this is law abiding, but to be like, hey, we are law abiding citizens. We're just using a different type of asset to boost, you know, candidates that believe in what we're trying to accomplish. And so while you may make that trade off for now and in the future, that might not necessarily be something that's required, right? Like with these decentralized identity wallets, all you have to be able to do is prove you know, that you are a real person, that you are a citizen, that we're interacting with you and not have to give up all this information that the FEC requires, because really they're just trying to confirm, is this a real U.S. citizen? 
right? And then are they, you know, upstanding citizen or whatever it is. But really at the end of the day, it's just, are you a U.S. citizen? And we can, we can do that with these decentralized identity wallets. Yeah, January. One thing that I do have to commend you on is just your knowledge in the space. I think that that is one of the greatest things, honestly, ever. I mean, <laughs> you're very generous when it comes to your time and be able to speak with people in the Web3 community. Um, I, I see you, whether you're in spaces and you really do connect with the, the people. And oh, that's so good to hear. Thank you. No, of course, of course. But it, it's, it's real because you don't really see this, right? And you're starting to see it now, now that, um, you know, blockchain tech, Bitcoin, things of that nature are now becoming more mainstream. But I mean, before you, I, I didn't really know anyone that was really in the spaces like that, really trying to connect with people and understanding these concepts, because I, I try to, you know, be able to explain it every day, like these things are our future, right? The, this is what's coming down the pipeline. So we want to be aware of these certain topics like decentralized identity, uh, like things as far as um, Bitcoin, like things as far as blockchain tech and um, self-sovereignty. I think that these are concepts that really need to get ingrained because things, things are happening at a very fast pace. I mean, I mean, we've seen what's happened like throughout the week, throughout the um, the whole FTX thing, the whole, you know, Trump trading card thing. I think that we're starting to see this real mass adoption because it's something that uh, people are talking about, talking about regulation, talking about stable coins. This is all coming down the pipeline. And now we're seeing it in live action. So, Oh, we definitely are seeing it in, in live action. We should talk about those, those Trump NFTs. I'm sure that was a question. Yeah, I was going to say, are we in the metaverse? Is it is it really official now? Like, definitely, definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I was just thinking about his his card. So Trump actually did something that we were trying to accomplish, but we just didn't have the time or the re like, I mean, we weren't going to do trading cards. Right. But we we did want to do like fun NFTs that that were kind of cool and unique. But, um, you know, of course, it comes down to what resources do you have? But. Uh, I didn't go through to see his, um, and maybe I should pull this up while we're here, but I didn't go through to see what information he collected. Did you? Like, was was the NFT collection for politics or was it just for fun? Yeah, I think they had um, some KYC information in there, but I'm not quite sure. I honestly want to be able to do research on that but i did actually see something from i think it was watcher guru stating that some of the cards were actually had like water water um what is it called water print okay. you know how they're like stock photos and things like that now definitely want to be able to confirm that but it's just a very it's a very interesting time yeah just in general fifth with the, with this whole drop yeah no th so that's super interesting that they would have water trademarks so um, and this is, this is actually something that we, we had also been talking about doing was putting pictures of myself through an AI and, and we have a, a couple of them that came out and it's very, uh, maybe at some point I'll post them in a way I'm slightly embarrassed, but, uh, the AI with my purple suit was really set on making me like a pirate. So I'll, I'll show you here. Some of these are not the greatest. Oh. But you can see the purple suit, right? 
So it really like latched on to the purple suit and making me like a pirate. Pirates. And I was like, this Dude. isn't really great for politics. You know. Some uh Pirates of the Caribbean stuff right there. Yeah, definitely Pirates of the Caribbean. And um so so we were gonna try and do something like that. But really I think his stuff came out, you know, quite excellent compared to what what it could have been. And he he has a lot of content that you can push through these. AI algorithms that they output um, fun images. But if so, this is one thing that I actually would like to see from politicians more because there's a lot of concern and you hear about it. Like, what is the money that you're collecting? What is it going to? How is it being spent? And NFTs actually do help out with this. And so we, we ran a proof of concept around this during my campaign. It was with Cardano because they were the ones that could actually pull the project over the finish line. Um, so Mint City, now Yeppel did this. And uh, we had Tyler with Spaces. He's excellent with his 3D art. But um, if you go to campaign.mintcity.app, uh, you, you can see this. Um, but with it, it collects all the correct information. So it can be FEC compliant and it can be collected for campaign purposes. And so what's really cool about this is you can go through and you can show, uh, you know, one, I support this politician, you get value back out of it. So we were going to do concerts and that type of thing or dinners or, you know, just basic swag. So I have um, some boxes. I still haven't put away all the campaign stuff, but, but I actually sent out sign signs with uh, you know, little thank you cards and everything to to people that supported us on that level. And I think that it just brings more connection and transparency as to what money is coming into your campaign. And then our next level would be, you know, showing people, hey, this is where the money is being spent and this is how it's being spent. But that's, that's kind of a big deal, you know? I just checked out the site. That is actually really, really cool. Um, but I think what you mentioned there with like the connection, I think that's like a huge part of just like the NFT culture in general, and is obviously really beneficial when you're trying to get people to, you know, support a cause or a politician like yourself, like the ability to feel like you're actually a part of something, uh, which is, you know, weird or, you know, crazy as that sounds with NFTs. That's what that is like for a lot of people, whether it's, you know, board ape or one of your campaign pens, just being a part of that community is something that can really help support and drive a cause further. Definitely. And I think it'd be so cool to have a real life campaign pin and then to have a, a an NFT campaign pin, you know, that you can take that and show it off and, and, and just enjoy, right? Like how often do you really get to, to experience new technology in the making? Like this is going to be the future and the future politicians will have this. We just need to work through some of those um, fearful responses they're having right now. What do you think that those, you know, fearful responses are coming from? Like, is it just a lack of knowledge or is it something deeper that they're like afraid of for this? Uh, I think overall it is a lack of knowledge. Like when we look at the FTX hearings, Senate hearings, and, and you listen to Juan Vargas over and over, he said, you know, I don't know anything and and you just hear that and you're like, OK, so you don't understand why people are doing this. You don't understand why anybody would be interested in, in doing crypto or whatever it happens to be like, take a step back and and learn. But then you have 
people that are in their ear that are saying, no, this is bad. We don't want it. And it's probably because there is that streak within the community that says, you know, get rid of the government, overthrow them all. And and nobody really enjoys hearing that. Right. And then there's um, it's actually less fraud um, is associated with with crypto than it is with fiat by by a large bit. I think fiat's like six percent. And within the the crypto sphere, it's point zero four three percent or so. It's something really small. But they hear these alarming cases and they're like, oh no, we need to protect people. And so I think that there's a lot of that. And then there's probably the people that are annoyed. I mean, think think about the amount of times that you've had, say, like there's a post that gets really popular and then, you know, Bitcoin, sorry, Bitcoiners or people that are promoting their coin, they just come in and they start spamming it, right? And it's like, this is really annoying because it doesn't promote helpful conversations. It's just you shilling your product or your investment, I guess, at that point. So I think that there's that. And then I think that they don't fully know what the utility is. And I, I hope that at some point they reach out. I, I mean, I know I'm a little bit of a firecracker probably for most politicians, but I hope they do reach out and have these conversations and see what the potential is and what the right legislation is. Because we we do need to foster innovation, but we do need to protect people at the same time. So I think that that's where this root of concern is coming from with people today and the fact that they they just don't understand the technology. I say that in the the kindest of terms. Yeah, I think the the crazy thing is that, like you said, a lot of people are just simply unaware of the technology and the the different use cases, you know, why people use it as a hedge, why people want to be able to be in this field. But I, I think that down the line that more and more people are going to understand, start to understand the different use cases. Um, so let me ask you this question. Do you think we are in that initial phase of like um, mass adoption? Have we reached that, that peak yet, that pinnacle? Or if not, uh, how long do you think that will take? I think that we're starting to see adoption. I wouldn't say that we're at mass adoption yet. Like the other day, I was up in a city called Lehigh, which is at the heart of Silicon Slopes. So Utah is replacing Silicon Valley um, with Silicon Slopes. And I did see a crypto ATM there, which was kind of new for me. Like maybe they have that in other places where they're just really common, but I hadn't seen them out here before. And so I think that it's starting to garner that mainstream adoption, but I don't think that we're there yet. And any of these scams or concerns or crashes or even just as simple as calling each other scams when we don't like each other. Like when you think of of crypto, just think of it as like a stock investment. So it's essentially one stock calling another stock bad because they don't like their product and they want their stock to go higher so that they get you know more money. And so it's the same concept, but it's really harmful to say, terrible things about each other like at the end of the day we're all in this together yeah if we spot something that's bad like let's make people aware but don't be toxic towards each other and and try and avoid maximalism i think that's a really good point um and then just kind of touching on you know the are we at mainstream or when will we get to mainstream i think a big a big part of that and it's something we've talked about with some previous guests as well 
it's just like it will be mainstream when people don't really realize that they're even using it you know like the atm right. you're talking about like when people aren't looking at it like oh that's a crypto atm just that's an atm you know like the walmart technology you were talking about like the employees are using it they might not realize they're using blockchain technology but the more we can you know put it into everyday life you know companies incorporating it into royalty programs things like that like that's whenever it's going to be really mainstream in my opinion exactly and one of the paths to making the adoption of this technology mainstream keep in mind i i am partial to the identity space right people talk about crypto I don't get as excited about crypto as I do identity. And with this, being able to have your driver's license on a decentralized ID is going to be huge. That's going to be so amazing. The same thing with your voter registration, when you can vote uh, from your mobile, from anywhere in the world and be like, yes, this is 100% the person that's casting the ballot. Uh, you know, they didn't have to stand in lines. They didn't have to do anything. And you still have this immutable sorry, this immutable record, like that is going to be so huge for us. And I'm just, I'm just very, very excited for that moment. But I think that once we start transcending that ID piece, and that's what I've been trying to work on this year. And of course, next year, that's going to be a huge focus. That's when you're going to see this go mainstream. So keep an eye out for those companies that are doing decentralized IDs. That because that is where the mass adoption stems from within within Web3. Yeah, wanted to really ask the question that came to uh, blockchain voting. I think that that's, a, uh, that's going to be very important going forward. And so, January, how long do you think it's going to take for that to get into place where it's a standard where we are able to use blockchain voting? And why do you think that so many people are afraid of the term? Because it, I don't see many people actually talking about it. Yeah. So Utah, I was first introduced to blockchain voting in Utah. They just positioned it as mobile voting, but it really was on a, on a blockchain. It was with a group called Votes. That's V-O-A-T-Z. And they've used this in a few other states, but I think that there's a lot of fear. Again, it's that fear that's driving the conversation. You know, is it actually provable? Is it immutable? And the people that know and understand the tech, you, we have to push forward. And we have to to talk to our legislature. So January is coming up. You're going to have a lot of people in office that are looking at legislation present something to them. And and it's by working together and collaborating together, whether at the state level or the county level, going through and just and teaching people and saying, hey, I want to take you through this technology. Uh, it's really great. It can be used, you know, same stuff as we have today. It can be used in person. It can be used in combination with paper ballots. It can be used from anywhere. It can help expand, uh, you know, uh, voter turnout, right? Like I did a poll the other day just because somebody said if they could vote from their phone, that it would increase voter turnout. And I was like, okay, I would be interested in seeing if that's a true statement. It was is 90% of people said that if it was available, they would, they would utilize that technology. And I think that's huge, uh, a huge thing, especially since we've had the lowest voter turnout since 2014. But uh, I, I don't know, like, it, I think that in about 10 years, we'll start seeing really mass adoption. We could do as little as like four or six, um, but we would all have to work together to accomplish that. Well, no, honestly. I think that it is going to take some time, but 
I agree with you there. I definitely think it's going to be below the threshold of a, a decade. So I think, you know, within the next couple of years, maybe a decade, all these things that we're talking about now will be a standard. And it's just crazy to be on that, on that journey. Now that we're kind of uh, segmenting over to more like the digital identity and not necessarily just the crypto side of things, just kind of branching into ENS because that is, you know, what our show is mainly about. Uh, how, how did you get started on that train? Was there somebody that introduced you to ENS? Uh, was it just through, you know, all of your endeavors within Web3? How did, how did you get there? Yeah, so I am very closely aligned to the Forward Party. If you haven't heard of them, their big thing is we're not left, we're not right, we're forward. They're all about political solutions and finding ways to bring people together and just solve this political rift that we that we have today. And Andrew Yang, who he's a former U.S. presidential candidate, um, he left the major parties and you know founded the Forward Party. But he has a DAO called the Lobby 3 DAO. And so we were doing a space between myself and Ford Party and Lobby 3. And we had some crazy people join the room that day. And uh, it was Novax. Novax is huge within the ENS space. But he came in and he's like, yo, we... He he just like saved the day because it was about to go downhill and he prevented it from going downhill and he invited me to his space. And I guess he's associated with the Lobby 3 DAO and just a really remarkable human being. I, I don't understand why he's not some singer on a huge stage because he is that good. His voice is that good. Uh, I hope, you know, if you have time, I hope that you'll play just a little clip of anything that he does because... It's so engaging, and I I feel like he's a star. But um, so he introduced me to the community, and you guys are just so nice. You gave me an ENS Maxi, which I I'm just completely grateful for, and all the good things that go along with that. Oh, uh, Novex is uh, amazing. Shout out to Novex for those who don't know. He's uh, definitely a great part of the ENS community, and I've definitely been able to work with him in the past. Uh, but yeah, it's a genuine so, and he can say right about that one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think she's the one that introduced us, wasn't, isn't that correct? Something like that. I remember the day because um, a lot of crazy stuff ended up happening. I think it was the day that um, Sean, Sean Murray, who was actually one of the people on the show, um, as he got retweeted, I think it was by like Blockworks or something like that when the Coinbase thing was uh, happening. It, Coinbase was actually able to integrate ENS during the, during the time. And it was actually that day that you came on board and, you know, started to talk and pretty much introduce, um, yeah, introduce you to the ENS community, but it was an awesome day. Definitely an awesome day. Yeah. It's fun how events always seem to coincide like that. And was, was Utah a politician? Is that the first dot eight that you registered? Yes, it is. That was um, the the first thing that we did with the campaign was we registered that. And that was a, uh, it was actually a gift from a, a follower. And they they kind of said, like, use it well, right? And I, I think that um, we certainly have. Uh, so we have Utah politician for public stuff and then um, January Walker for personal. But because, because of my employment, I actually don't hodl. Like, there's just, way too many hoops to jump. I mean, I, I'm limited to 
like five trades of stock a month, right? That's how on lockdown my, my, really? work, yeah, my employment is. Cause I, I work in cybersecurity and the financial sector and, and, uh, it's, it's a very, um, central company that a lot of people know about. So they, they keep everything on lockdown. Absolutely. And, uh, so it's, if it's associated with the campaign, right? Like there's, there's more leeway there, but if it's my own personal stuff, it just doesn't work. Gotcha. Yeah. Not going to lie. I did a, a little bit of wallet stocking there. So I was surprised to only see three dot ETH there. I was hoping you'd have some more. I didn't know if you had another wallet hidden there or something that, that you had some other ones hidden with. Yeah. That's, that's honestly the reason why it's because they, it's owned by the campaign. Right. And then, uh, I just like at the end of the day, a girl's got to eat, you know, you got to be able to pay for <laughs> my internet to talk to you and the, the house or the, the heat that, um, that fills my home. Right. You know, so I'm not freezing out on the streets. And the almost, uh, almost ski days. Exactly. Well, tomorrow it'll happen. I know tomorrow I'll be able, and I actually snowboard, but, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm going to go to a new resort tomorrow called Snowbird and, uh, should be a good time. Awesome. Well, maybe, uh, maybe when you get one of those five, uh, monthly investments, you can maybe find a snowboarding or, or skiing dot east that, that piques <laughs> your interest there. I could, I could maybe, maybe I'll look into it. Uh, perhaps when I'm, when I move on to a different company, but here's, here's the reason that it's actually beneficial for this group. Um, cause they, they have like laws that prevent legislatures from holding more than X amount of crypto. Right. So if I don't huddle it, then that means that I can actually champion the community and not be held back by those restrictions which I think is, is really big. With that in mind, you know, I don't know if you want to give us an answer, but we haven't had anybody not do it yet. So we're going to ask, All right. uh, if you could have any .eth, what would it be? Uh, so this is probably going to be new to all of you, but I'm, I'm going to lean into the identity portion. I want to have a, a did ETH. That's, that's really what I want, that decentralized ID. Happy to do it with ETH just as long as it's within my self-sovereign identity wallet. So I'm sorry, did you say did a ETH? Yeah, a, a DID, a decentralized ID, but it did, it did ETH. Would you be able to just kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so, so this is, this could be uh, like, so the state of Utah, they actually do marriage licenses now on ETH, right? So I think that that's pretty interesting where you, Although I don't think that they did it as an NFT. I think that they, I need to go back and see exactly how they did this. Um, but they did that. And I would love to see like my driver's license on an ETH. So, so of course, leaning into that identity portion where everybody else is excited about, you know, the NFTs, the crypto, everything that comes out of this, this community. I cannot wait. I cannot stress it enough either, but I cannot wait for the identity aspect to come out and where I can, um, you know, have these dids within my wallet. And I know that groups are looking at doing it on ETH. So to have maybe ETH will be the first one. You never know. Yeah, it seems like, um, you know, Polygon, Ethereum, like all of those are a big focus for a lot of the corporations getting into this. So I'd say there's exactly. definitely some, some promise there for sure. 
but that is that is the first answer we've had like that usually it's just a first name but i guess you you already have your name uh, uh not january but january walker so that's covered um but definitely a first for that and i appreciate you giving us an answer uh but thank you again for coming on today you know i really appreciate your time uh, it's been great hearing you know a different perspective from some of the normal people that we have in this community and you know really looking forward to seeing what you do uh in the political sphere yeah thank you i it's not just me though it's all of us right because at the end of the day we all have to work together to accomplish everything that we're trying to do so thank you again you were really you know you taking the time to be here with us one of the things that really did strike me about you was like i said you're active you're in the community you're working with people you're trying to find solutions and i think that as blockchain voting as Bitcoin, as you know, the whole entire Web3 ecosystem evolves, we're definitely going to start having some difficult conversations. And I think that, you know, putting people in place that actually understand these concepts is, is very important to the growth of the space. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for having me.